Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 86 of Unblocking Crypto. Hal, it's been a couple of weeks, so it's good to see your face again. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Good to see you. So I know it's been a couple of weeks since we talked. I know I, I did a quick update last week, but of course, there's always new stuff going on. And the latest news that I saw that's kind of interesting, we've talked about the SEC going after Binance and Coinbase and all these all these companies, right? Binance just asked the SEC to dismiss the lawsuit against them, and they filed about a 60-page document saying that what the SEC was trying to do was... Uh, outside of its authority and that it failed to provide any rules ahead of time because it's going at them from stuff that happened like five, six years ago. So it, well, it'd be interesting to see what happens with that, but it is kind of fun to see that they're pushing back as Coinbase did when the SEC went after them too. Yeah, I was watching some Twitter feed stuff that Gary Gensler was in a committee hearing with uh, the finance committee. And it's the algorithm was giving me one side of the argument and I didn't normally I go to C-SPAN and I actually watch a large amount of time. Uh, I cannot seem to make myself do that. I guess I'm just not bored enough. It's really pretty brutal to spend that kind of time watching it. But it seems like you've got the companies that are being sued pushing back. You've got the judges uh, in the cases judging or ruling against the SEC's findings and regulations. And then there's a lot of senators that are pushing uh, Gary Gensler in the SEC to explain why they aren't approving a Bitcoin spot ETF, why they're doing some of the things they're doing, why the timeline is so slow, and basically saying that he's not doing his job and the SEC isn't doing their job. And so that's pretty much all the directions I think the SEC can be squeezed there's there's no one else that has any sort of pressure that they can put on them. So they've got to be feeling it pretty heavy. And in light of all that, they punted the ARC Bitcoin spot ETF again. So I think that's the last thing that has to be done. And I think that kicks out the spot Bitcoin ETF. It'll be, it, it won't happen in 2023. A very low percentage chance anything gets done in 2023. And it'll be 2024 at the earliest, which is kind of irrelevant in Bitcoin timeline, but it's the SEC's, they, it feels like they're on the losing side. And I would, I may find some time if I'm driving around to listen to the, the entire hearing that Gary Gensler had in front of Congress. But if you don't listen to that stuff, I wouldn't recommend it. It's not good. Yeah. Well, with the, the government shutdown that's coming, right? I mean, there's the SEC is saying that they're going to have a skeleton crew during all this to do some things, but pretty much the only thing that comes out of this is you know that the SEC isn't going to spend, be spending any time going after other companies during this. So you should see some of that slow down a little bit because the whole stoner cats and everything else that they've been doing is just I feel like a waste of time. Go focus on the big thing, get that taken care of, and then you can worry about all the little shit that's going on in the background. Yeah, that's the SEC in a nutshell. Is they are super slow to define Bitcoin as a, a property or commodity and make things clear on a, on a big scale. They won't approve spot ETFs, but they'll approve futures ETFs and leverage stuff. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a bad employee, right? Like 
you've got a big project to do. You give something important to an employee who's not typically good, but you're you're pressed to do it. And all right, update week one update meeting. Oh yeah, we're working on it. Uh, but here's here's this useless thing that we're done with. It's like okay, next week. Yeah, we're still working on it. But here's two more of these useless things that you don't really need. But it's like show it. It's almost like they pretend to be showing progress by getting something done. But it's it doesn't matter to them. It doesn't really matter what's getting done. They're getting something done. But to the world, it matters that the important thing gets done. Like the project needs this major component completed, and it's it's almost like procrastination on an organizational level. And it's it just the only way out of it is to fire that employee and get somebody good in. Yeah. Oh, fingers crossed that actually happens. I think it's going to difficult thing to do until what twenty twenty six when his term is over, unfortunately. But I guess the good news is Coinbase has some. I guess positive news for them. So they secured the Bank of Spain registration, which gets them closer to being able to do business throughout Europe. And I mean, they had, had no secret of trying to expand outside the U.S. because the U.S. is becoming a pain in the ass from a regulation perspective. So uh, Europe is doing a lot with their MICA regulations and they want to become a bigger part over there. Since if you look at all the exchanges out there, Coinbase is probably the safest exchange out there today. Not that you should be keeping any coins on any exchange, but they're probably the best one at this point. Yeah. Coinbase is, is making some moves. I saw that they also got approved for perpetual futures trading. So when you combine that with the FASB accounting, you're talking about companies being able to invest in Bitcoin and hedge their investments easier. And with Coinbase, which is becoming the fidelity of crypto in my mind. It's 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 as trustable as anything in traditional banking. Um, you've got banks failing anyway, and you've got banks changing their rules and changing how they can manipulate your behavior of a traditional banks. So Coinbase is to me is right up there with them right now. Plus, it's public, so you've got some transparency transparency and regulation that they have to follow. So I think Coinbase is in a position to really take take the lead and be like the JP Morgan Chase of crypto. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We've been talking about regulation a lot. The Ds are still a very big theme <clears throat> that we're going to hear a lot about. And the ECB came out and talked about their digital euro. And they said they're still at least two, two years away before anything happens. They're starting to get a lot of pushback from people that are worried about that whole big brother and the control of the digital euro. And they're saying that's not going to happen, um, but it's still years away before they even make a decision, which is good that it's still years away. But I think they're hoping it all blows over and people forget about it by then. Yeah. Two years away is a great number politically because we could easily be two years from now and they'll still be two years away. That's just from a, the speed at which government works and the frequency at which elections occur. I like I like when things that are likely a bad idea are at least two years away. Mm. So speaking of exchanges, we've talked about Coinbase. Let's talk a little bit about FTX and all the craziness going on there. SBF's trial is coming up and he kind of had a bad day here recently. So he had seven expert witnesses that the judge all rejected and said none of them can come in and be used. And then they also, he 
appealed to kind of get out on bail so he could prep for everything more, and that was rejected as well and said, you got to stay in jail. Yeah, it should be. So those two things back-to-back I don't think are too exciting from his perspective, but it's, I think it's funny from everybody else's perspective because I don't know why anyone will listen to anything he says anymore. No, he's got to be crypto public enemy number one. All of the 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 domino collapse of all of the crypto institutions that really put a lot of headwinds on the the bull market. Anybody that's in crypto well, that is kind of riding these hyperbolic waves and enjoying like being right for a year, eighteen months out of every four or five years, like <laughs> it sucks when. You know, there's the the Terra Luna collapse that leads to the FTX collapse, and FTX was on pace to be right up there with Coinbase. So instead of this monopoly of trusted third parties that crypto has, we could have had a duopoly, and that may make room for something else. And then now it's you find out he's getting an hour with Gary Gensler in the SEC, which nobody gets an hour with Gary Gensler, you know. Jamie Dimon might get 15 minutes and then he's pumping money into political campaigns and getting things done the sleazy way. And, and then it all collapses and he tanks the crypto market and, you know, normal people get hurt. And meanwhile, it seems like there's always a couple million dollars squirreled away for these guys when they get out. So, and his parents got, I keep seeing headlines about his parents who were accepting funds and, and properties and things like that. So for me, run him up the flagpole, like just throw everything at him. If he's, if his witnesses are denied and he definitely should be denied, uh, he should be incarcerated. I think there's too much money out there. He could, he could disappear. There's just, there's too much flight risk. So no problem there. And yeah, I, I think it stinks that the longer this thing goes, the more lawyers and accountants make a bunch of money. But just get it right and make sure it's a big enough example that we don't have another one. And then if you're if you're into crypto or getting into crypto, just just trust public companies, man. I, he couldn't have done any of this stuff if they were public. It, it was like I keep seeing stuff like his accounting was it was like an Excel spreadsheet for a multi billion dollar business. It's just it's just a, it's there. No one was looking behind the curtain. Everybody trusted each other on the private equity side. And I mean, that whole thing fell apart so fast. It was, it was wild. Well, it's not even just trust public companies. It's don't trust any company with your crypto, right? Learn how to hold it yourself. Right. And it's simple to do. I mean, there's a link on the show notes to help get you started. Right. But it, th- this isn't rocket scientist. It's scary at first, but it, it's, it's actually pretty simple. Once you take a little bit of time. Yeah. And this kind of dovetails into what I kind of wanted to talk about because that's, the, the self-custody versus third-party custody is really the store of value narrative for for Bitcoin. And that store of value and, you know, price escalation in dollar terms, to me, that's how people get into crypto. Like, it's got to be high 90% of new people, new adoption into Bitcoin and, and even crypto is because they're thinking in U.S. dollars. They're denominated in U.S. dollars. They buy and sell everything in U.S. dollars or local currency. And they're like, Oh, I can, I can leap forward and maybe get ahead of inflation. If I buy low, sell high on crypto and Bitcoin. And so that getting the custody portion of 
Bitcoin right, whether it's Coinbase or Fidelity can hold your, your crypto or Bitcoin, or if you self-custody, you figure it out, you got a hardware wallet, and you figure out a, a backup plan and strategy and you execute that. Whatever it is, that part has to happen first. That that store of value, and, and that that's how people get in. That's the on-ramp. And then once they have it and hold it, and they do a little bit of research or they hear about it, this or that, or like, you know, you go to lunch with somebody about Bitcoin and talk to them about it and you forget your wallet in the car. Like, oh, just, just uh, shoot me some sats with your phone on, um, on Strike or Moon Wallet or Blue Wallet or whatever. Then you're like, oh, we can essentially transact and uh, and now it's a medium of exchange and you're you're trading value for goods and services or or whatever now you're like oh well that was easy right that, to me the hard part's going from zero crypto zero bitcoin it's it's funny money whatever listen to the 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 news on that it's going to zero and all this nonsense getting from there into oh i bought some bitcoin and i have it even even on coinbase like i just i'm i'm in i've got something i'm going to hold it Going from there, I think, is harder than once you have it, moving it from one place to another, whether it's from a, an exchange into your self-custody or from your custody into someone else's in exchange for anything. Once you get there, I think that I think that's going to rock around for decades. And some people will start to feel that unit of account where, you know, you start thinking about, uh, like, like my, I finally moved my BlockFi funds from BlockFi to a wallet and it hasn't occurred yet because they have 90 days to actually make it happen. But I'm like, I looked at it and I'm like, okay, well I've got like a, I got like 50 million sats worth of, worth of chain link and Litecoin, just stuff, just straggler stuff that I moved into BlockFi that I was earning interest on BlockFi and converting it into Bitcoin uh, slowly. And so I'm like, I didn't even, I skipped the dollar value. It was like, I used the the dollar value just to calculate how many sats I got. So whenever it comes over, because I couldn't sell it in BlockFi, I could only move it out. So when I move it out, I'll sell it, buy the Bitcoin, put it in the wallet, and I'm done. So like I can see a future where I'm in more Bitcoin terms, but I'm able. You know, I went from from dollar unit of account for decades, and then I started thinking like in the number of rental houses. Like okay, well I need. Uh, that's worth a rental house or that's worth a thousand gallons of chemicals that I need to sell. And so I was, I'm kind of switching around between, you know, what the base, my base mentality of what things are valued in. And so it's kind of easy for me to jump into the unit of account for Bitcoin, but I don't think that's the case for people that currently aren't even into Bitcoin right now. I think that, that it's the, the, the low-hanging fruit of adoption is it, it's almost all picked. And so the next wave of adoption is going to be people who are intelligent. They're just not – maybe they get sick of this inflation and they get sick of this government stuff and they understand that the government – it doesn't matter who's in charge. It's all bad for you. Maybe that is going to start to get them to start to understand, okay, the government is bad no matter what – if. I'm the red team and the red team's in charge. It still kind of sucks for me. And if it, the blue team's in charge, it sucks for me. And I think it really sucks for me. So that's worse or flip the colors, right? doesn't matter. So th once that starts to come, I think that little wave of adoption is going to be like, oh, the government's bad for me and they're the ones printing the money. 
they're the ones that are having another government shutdown, even though they just a few months ago, two, three months ago, had a, were facing a government shutdown and and made a made a debt ceiling deal where they eliminated the debt ceiling so that they could run up the debt. So the government's bad. So the government money's bad. I can have a little bit of an off ramp. So I'm not I'm not completely tied to this government money, whether it's gold, silver, Bitcoin, real estate, something. You, the dollar's just not that good. So I think as an American, that's kind of how Americans are thinking. I think you've got Argentinians and people in Turkey and other places that are skipping that step. Like like places in Africa are skipping landline telephones, right? They're going straight to cell phone technology. And you've got people in other countries that are skipping the dollar-denominated step and going straight into crypto. Well, the, I think the problem with Americans is the dollar is so strong compared to pretty much the rest of the world where it seems safe. Right? If you go to any other country, they are getting scared to death of whatever currency they're using. And they're either trying to go to the dollar because it's the safest place to be currently out of all the fiat currencies, or they're just skipping it and saying, all right, we'll go to something like Bitcoin. And I mean, you have all kinds of places that are paying huge premiums to get into Bitcoin just because the inflation of their currencies is so high that it's it's stupid not to. Right. And that's a huge use case for the stable coins because a lot of countries, a lot of people in other countries can't get into dollars, but they can get into dollars with an asterisk in stable coins as long as they trust the company that's backing the stable coins. And so that piece of it, and then once you're into stable coins and you're in dollars and yeah, dollar in, in, is inflating in between five and 15%, but against your currency that's inflating by 20%, you're able to bounce back. You know, you're in a dollar that's stable. You can bounce back into your currency, buy your groceries and not lose as much purchasing power. And then if you, if you know, that's, there's going to be people that are like, look, I've got X amount of dollars that I can actually hold for a couple of years. I'm sorry, X amount of currency units that I can hold for a couple of years. And I have some that I need next week to pay the rent. So some of it's going to go into stable coins and some of it's going to go into Bitcoin for long-term savings. And once you do that, if Bitcoin appreciates against the dollar and the dollar is appreciating against your local currency, you can you can get way ahead locally. That's kind of – it's weird. I talk to a lot of people, a lot of intelligent people that completely dismiss anything that isn't U.S. dollar oriented. Like they, they just never think – that there are people that have currencies that are falling apart. I'm like, it's happening a lot right now. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, everywhere. Right. Yeah. So it, kind of circling back on the stable coin piece. Yeah. The only problem about stable coins is you still got to be careful, right? I mean, you look at, uh, we, we've had some stable coins that have gone to nothing for the most part. And even like Ave, which is one of the largest crypto projects out there, their stable coin they're struggling to keep its peg at a dollar. Now it's only like 98 cents, right? So it's it's not a huge drop, but when you can't get the peg at a dollar where it's supposed to be, that's a problem. And, and they're working on trying to fix that right now, but it's, I guess 2% deflation is a lot better than, or 2% inflation, I guess is a lot better than 200% inflation that Argentina is seeing, right? But but yeah, that's, it's, a, that's, it's, the it's part, there. that's the part of, of crypto Bitcoin that I think will take some time is the 
people that are usually building companies that bank or house currency or value, they're so used to just turning profits like, oh, we'll give them 0.01% on the deposits and we'll, we'll, uh, for every dollar in our deposit fund, we will loan out $6 at 4%. You know, those guys are currently the guys going out and creating these businesses and companies that are doing this and they're used to it. And that's how you get smoked in Bitcoin, especially, but crypto as well, because you just can't stack everything. It always crumbles. And so I think we're going to have a period of time and we're, we're obviously in it and I don't know how long it'll last before people are like, like Jack Mallers. It's like, we're in a race to zero. We're trying to get, we're trying to get transaction costs to zero and we're trying to make no profit because it's decentralized. And all we have to do is have people running nodes in order and, and putting a little bit of Bitcoin in their lightning node so that it bounces around and shuffles money from place to place. And they can get a transaction cost that more than covers their small amount of electricity cost. And now there's no need for profit in this. And so if those companies are up against companies that are, that are, that are built to not turn a profit or turn a tiny profit for the, for the operators of the network, there's no way to build a business. Why would you use them? So I think you're going to see kind of, this is going to get a little philosophical too, but everybody's everybody there's a lot of bitcoin people who are anti spot etf because it's like why are we rooting for wall street these are the crooks these are the guys that screwed up the entire system anyway this is why we need bitcoin is because these guys the way they operate is rent seeking and selfish well bitcoin's not going to allow them to rehypothecate the bitcoin in the in the spot etf they're going to actually have to essentially provide a genuine service for people that there's a lot of people that aren't going to want to buy and hold it Bitcoin, right? I, I, there's just, it's, it's not easy. It takes some research. It takes some time. You know, they're barely keeping up. They got kids. They got lives to live and all that stuff. They don't have time to research for a podcast and do a podcast every week. And you know, some people do. And so I think you're, the sooner Bitcoin gets into BlackRock, the sooner BlackRock's going to realize they can't play the same games that they used to play to make themselves richer, and they're either going to have to sell their Bitcoin spot ETF to a company that's not as not focused on it, or they're going to rehypothecate it, try to make more money, and then Bitcoin's going to go on a run or a drop, and it's going to tank them, and they're going to lose their tail, and they're going to they're going to realize, okay, this isn't a game that we're good at playing. We're good at playing the game where we screw the screw our customers. We're not good at the game where we're on the up and up and, and, and our customers are getting what they're paying for. And so I think, I think Bitcoin cleans that mess up because they're not going to be able to pressure the CEO of Bitcoin to do anything. They're not going to be able to pressure the government to do anything because Bitcoin is going to keep creating blocks and gaining adoption and from time to time go on a hy- hyperbolic run. And then a crash. And good luck playing old school games, no matter how deep your pockets are, with this new school approach. And, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to manipulate it. And that's the part where I think the people that are, the Bitcoin people that are anti-Wall Street, that are saying, you know, why are you in a hurry? Why are you applauding Wall Street getting into Bitcoin? I think that's the part they're missing is they're, they're on the right side. 
they ought to be like, yeah, let, go for it. Get Bitcoin in there. Get more people holding Bitcoin in their in their personal portfolios. So they so twenty years from now they're winning and force BlackRock to at least clean up a portion of their business. So that's that's again a little philosophical and you know what are the time frames? Don't know, but that to me, BlackRock's not going to screw up Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin's going to screw up BlackRock. Yeah. So I think the other thing too, I mean, you talked about lightning and doing a lot of transactions, kind of the race to zero. A lot of these stable coins are built on Ethereum and the, the price for the, the gas is sometimes kind of ridiculous. So what we need to see is more of these stable coins built on layer twos. Uh, Bitcoin has our lightning. Ethereum has a handful of layer twos that make the gas almost not exactly free, but pennies instead of dollars or tens of dollars to make transactions. So I mean, there, there's still some work to be done, and it's 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 getting there. It's just having all these different chains talk to each other very easily is still ongoing, and it will be ongoing here for the next couple of years for sure. Yeah. So kind of transitioning back a little bit to FTX. We talked, or I talked a little bit about it last week, where there's that $3.4 billion that the judges approved for FDX to sell. Now, a lot of the industry was very skeptical about that and thinking it was going to crash crypto. And I think a lot of people bet that crypto prices were going to go down. And a lot of people kind of got wrecked because of that. And part of the reason is now that it's coming out is they're approved to sell $50 million in the first week. And then moving that to 100 million a week, and after time they can apply to be able to sell up to 200 to 200 million a week. And the other cool part about all of this is that they've put Mike Novogratz, the head of Marathon. God, what is the name of that company? Is it Marathon? Marathon Mining, I think. I thought it was like Digital Galaxy or Ooh, Digital Galaxy. They might own Marathon yeah. the Mining, but okay, yeah, Digital Galaxy. Right. Anyways, anyways, he, he is definitely one of the biggest positive voices in crypto and they put him in charge of actually the liquidation. So that's great news from a crypto perspective. The other kind of crazy piece to all of this is what a third of all of that money is Solana that FTX owns. And what's crazy is most of it is locked up. So I don't even think it comes free until like 2028. So it's, it's there for five years and they can't do anything about it. I'm not sure how they're going to sell it or liquidate it in the near term, unless they're going to promise it to somebody else. I don't know. It's kind of the liquid staking type concept for Solana, if they even have that. But yeah, there, there's, I guess the good news is at 50 million or a hundred million dollars a week, that's like a blip on the radar screen for crypto. And that's yeah. almost not even going to get noticed. Yeah. Especially if it kind of rolls out over time. And during that time is assuming next year we get the, the increase in price and, the rally that we usually get around uh, six months after the happening. So I think we'll see. I, for all I know, they could call Mr. Solana and they could change the rules. Sure. Yeah. So the other thing too, talking about companies having some issues, Celsius is another one that actually had some pretty positive news. The restructuring plan that they had put together was voted on by all the holders of the debt and it was approved. So, for the most part, you're going to get three options. One is more crypto, less stock of their Nuco company, which this Nuco company would own like all the mining, um, all the other illiquid 
assets, uh, the staking that they're doing and all that. So you get kind of a, a share in that. Um, so you're, the, that was option number one. Option number two is kind of a split between crypto and more shares of the mining, less of the crypto. And then option three was less shares of crypto and more of the Nuco stock. So I don't know what everybody chose. My option was more crypto <laughs> than the, the stock. But the good news is that's moving forward. And I think the, the CEO they put in place is, is theoretically doing a pretty good job and moving things forward with that. So that's, that's good to see. Yep. I don't have much to say there. <laughs> that's not on that's yeah, not something yeah, I, lucky. That, the, the algorithm finally figured out. I don't, I don't read that stuff. Yeah. So the other thing, some positive news, I know we've talked about some craziness going on in crypto space, but I think there's still a lot of positive things to talk about. And one of the ones that of course I keep an eye on is Cardano. And I just saw Cardano is holding the top spot in development. Um, which is exciting. I mean, when you have a bunch of people developing on it, I think that means really good things from a long-term perspective. If you look at the second and third spots, it's Polkadot and Kusama, and Kusama is pretty much the test bed for Polkadot. So it starts at Kusama, moves to Polkadot, and then the fourth and fifth spots were Chainlink and Hedera, which is kind of interesting. So Hedera, to me, is kind of like a micropayments with what they're doing, and then Chainlink is pretty much the the best oracle out there as of today so it's that hasn't really helped from a pricing perspective if you look at cardano i think they've gone down i don't know 30 percent something like that this year but if you look at their tbl it's actually gone up like 250 percent. so kind of what we've talked about with bitcoin i hope is similar with cardano is bitcoin the price has kind of gone down but the hash rate has gone way up and has been growing like crazy. So when you have more people investing in the company at some point, the rest of it theoretically catches up and fingers crossed that continues to happen with Cardano with the way they're doing things. Yeah. That's kind of like a loaded spring theory. You know, it's like this bear market, it's just a loaded spring. The population is growing. There's, there's tons of money in the system. The awareness slowly grows. People become more and more comfortable They've heard more and more about crypto. And so when price goes up, they're more likely to jump in. They're, you know, I think every time the tide washes in a whole bunch of people into crypto, and then when the tide washes out, some people are like, ah, you know, I think there's something here. I've didn't, I've learned something. And I don't, I, one thing I learned is that I don't need to own a whole bunch of random crypto tokens, but I do still hold some Cardano, like legacy holdings that I'm like, ah, whatever, I'll just hold them forever. So it was good to hear the word chain link. I don't think I've heard anything about that in a long time. But again, these are like very small holdings, but you never know. Some of this stuff has got to find a home. There's got to be a use case for it. It's, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, what they figure out. There's smart people working on it. And if there's a a good use for it. I think they'll find it. That actually transitioned to, I read an article this week in Forbes and I wouldn't even talk about this if it wasn't in Forbes, because I still think Forbes has some credibility or has credibility. And it talked about a potential future executive order that Biden may come out with that basically declares computing power, a national resource I think this is tied in. So all the the AI got the top 
heads of AI got, had a, a Washington DC meeting maybe two weeks ago and talked about AI in general and, you know, what the bad things that could happen and what the government could do to assist and things like that. And so, you know, AI, that computing power is a big deal. And that's why you see NVIDIA and other, other chip manufacturers taking off and, and having supply issues. So Forbes wrote that, that there may be an executive order coming out that requires Microsoft, Amazon, and other sellers to report when computing power is purchased above a certain threshold. And the, that's one thing, right? Like, okay, I mean, anytime I, if you withdraw over $10,000 from your bank account, you, your bank reports it. And so if that's computing power, okay, I see that the government could probably do that. And I don't think that that's a big deal. Those companies just have to implement a system. But the later in the reading, it was talking about how this would be bad for Bitcoin and crypto in general, because they, the, the next step would be viewing computer programming as a national resource. And the government would want to pull resource, those resources that are currently or future resources that would be into crypto and Bitcoin and even video games, they would want to steer them back towards more productive ways of using those resources which I was like, yeah, those words, I can see why those words make sense. But I don't live in a country where the government tells you you can't, even in your spare time, work on whatever you want to work on with your skills and knowledge and abilities. Like, if you're a car mechanic, they're not going to be like, oh, sorry, you got to work on tanks. Like, you can't work on 18 wheelers, you have to work on tanks. And they're just certainly not going to tell computer programmers, you can't computer, you can't program video games, because we need you to be programming AI for whatever reason. So I, I, that seemed like, it seemed like a stretch in the article in order to get the headline that they wanted, which was Biden cracked down on crypto with executive order. So in the light of conspiracy theories coming true, I figured, and it was in Forbes, if I read that on some random, if it was in some random website, I wouldn't have clicked on it. Uh, so anyway, that's one of those little heads up pieces where it's like, that seems like a stretch on a stretch, but man, a year from now, who freaking knows? Well, I think even Brian Armstrong, the CEO of, of Coinbase has come out and said, we need to be very careful about trying to regulate AI in general, which is kind of what's happening. Right? I mean, you look at what the US has done with NVIDIA and they're not allowed to send the same GPUs to China that we use for our the processing here in the U.S. So it, it's there's already an issue, and I mean that's pretty much creating or giving China a reason to go spend more money to create their own solutions on their end. And how quickly will it happen? Who knows, right? It, they seem to be a smart com smart country, but they're also kind of a mess at this point too with the way that's being run. So uh, yeah, time will tell. Yep. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know what to think about China. They seem to be kind of moving back towards Bitcoin slowly during this uh, this bear market. So, who they've gone back and forth twenty times. So we'll see. Yeah, they don't they don't know what they want. So let's talk a little bit about some of the positive things about Bitcoin because I know you would prefer to talk about Bitcoin twenty four seven compared to to me, right? But uh, MicroStrategy was in the news too here recently. What in the last month? I think they bought another 150 million Bitcoin, something like that. 
um, which takes their total amount up to just over $4.68 billion in Bitcoin, yep. which is crazy. Something All like right? they're approaching and, 1% of the total Bitcoin uh, current mine to date. And they have already said that they're planning to sell more shares of their company. I think almost 400,000 shares of their company, which would free up about 750 million that they could buy even more Bitcoin with. <laughs> so um, it's coming. <laughs> hey man, now's the time to be buying. Like you don't want to be like my strategy was buying before the last ramp up and they bought all the way through it. I think they bought. I think their highest purchase was in like the high 50s, almost $60,000 of Bitcoin. So I, I feel like they've, their frequencies picked up. Some, there's, some, there's a chart that shows each purchase at what price along the, along the price chart of Bitcoin. And I feel like they're buying more now, which at, at first I was like, oh, every quarter they're just taking their profits and buying Bitcoin. But I think it's it seems like it's more frequent now. But I mean, I don't blame them. I, I feel like there's a lot of reason to be positive about it. The likelihood, I mean, the downside risk versus the upside potential seems like a, it seems like there's a lot more upside potential even in the next two to three years. But the micro strategies they're thinking in the ten to twenty year range, so there's definitely a yeah. lot more upside potential. Yeah, so I have two more things that I'll try to throw in here really quickly and then we'll wrap up since I know we're getting long on time. The other cool thing about Bitcoin is a project that's going on in Guatemala right now. And I don't know if you've heard much about this, but Guatemala and their elections have been a mess, to say the least, right? So as usual in most of those countries, they're, they seem to be somewhat fixed. Right? And what they have done with the help of Bitcoin is there's a guy that created a, an app, I think, called Open Timestamps that runs on top of the Bitcoin network. And what that's allowing them to do is the Guatemalan election, people can vote and use this app to create a hash that puts their vote onto the Bitcoin blockchain so that there's a way to see if all of a sudden the vote gets changed later on because it's all on the Bitcoin blockchain that nobody else can change. So it, it is theoretically going to provide a much fairer election and be able to easily see if someone is trying to change the vote. So that's exciting to see and I wish that's something that would be done at every election <laughs> around the world. Yeah, I mean that's the nice thing about blockchain is it's they don't it's immutable and it's transparent so put it on there yeah and then this isn't so much bitcoin but crypto in general so microsoft i'm sure everybody knows about that company huge company they leaked some slides on their next generation xbox which i think they're calling gen 10 and of all the things that are going to be supported on that one of the things that they noticed or noted was that it was planned to support crypto wallets so we've talked about gaming being a huge theme in the future, and now Microsoft is jumping in and they will have crypto wallet support, theoretically, on their next Gen 10 Xboxes. Completely logical. Like, I, my kid buys, or I, he always won uh, gift cards that have the currency on Fortnite, which is called V-Bucks. So it's like, we essentially, we off-ramp out of US dollars, we get into V-Bucks, and then he spins them but there's no way to earn them in the game. But if he had a wall, like it, that's just so close to crypto, like really close. So to me, yeah, that 
I'm shocked that this they hadn't figured this out unless there's some kind of securities regulation that's blocking gaming from getting into this stuff. But I don't know why that. I mean, Activision profits are through the roof. Like they would go they would go crazy if you could be rewarded in-game currencies that could potentially be converted back out into dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, exciting stuff. A lot going on. Is there anything else you wanted to add real that, quick? Or? I could talk about it all day, man, but I think, I think we're good. I got, <laughs> I got in some philosophical Bitcoin stuff. I got in some uh, conspiracy theory stuff that like checks a couple boxes that I like to talk about. <laughs> Typical day in crypto right there. Those two. That's right. <laughs> Awesome. Well, how great to chat and uh, looking forward to chatting again next week and talk about what happened then. All right. Sounds good, man. See you. Thanks. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.